0: Okay, I'm not going to lie, this is a bit of an experiment. Uh, I used to have a podcast called The Drinkable Globe, but now I'm pivoting a little bit and bringing you the Synth and Surf Saloon. Well, before we get started, let me introduce myself, or reintroduce myself if any of you listen to my previous podcast. Uh, My name is Jeff Cialetti. I am an author and editor. I've written five books. I've got my sixth coming out. This fall, uh, those five books are The Year of Drinking Adventurously, Beer FAQ, uh, The Drinkable Globe, Socketpedia, and Drink Like a Geek. And coming this fall from Skyhorse Publishing is imbibing for introverts, basically drinking alone and loving it. And that book will be coming out in the fall of 2022 from Skyhorse Publishing. Um, I don't have the exact dates from Skyhorse, but I hope to have it soon. Anyway, The Drinkable Globe, which was the name of my third book, not to mention my website, drinkableglobe.com, it was about basically drinking and travel, drinking around the world, just as the book was about that. Um, So I talked about different areas, whether it's around the U.S. uh, or internationally. I had interview guests on just about every episode, as I will with this one, but this first episode of uh, the Synth and Surf Saloon will just be me kind of giving you the lay of the land and letting you know what this is going to be about. So, um, there still will be a little bit of a travel element to this. Uh, I will be doing themed episodes, and this one in particular will also have a theme about a place that I was visiting recently, and I'll get to that in a minute. But the real sort of change is there's it's going to be more heavily music-based. Synth pop and surf rock, that's basically what it's about. Two of my favorite music genres, and as a booze author, I'm still keeping the drinking part of it, as well as a little bit of snacks and eating, that kind of thing. That's where the saloon comes in. So it's music, eating, drinking, you know, synth-pop, surf-rock. Two seemingly incongruous genres, but uh, I love them both equally, and there is some logic to them. So really, what kind of inspired me to combine those two things, uh, there's a band called Messerchups. Uh, they are a Russian surf rock band from St. Petersburg, Russia, not Florida. They do horror surf. They sometimes call it surfabilly. they They throw in a little bit of psychobilly, rockabilly, that kind of thing. But mostly it's surf rock with uh, kind of a B-movie horror motif. And they're a trio. And the bass player is Svetlana, who goes by the name Zombirella. And she kind of does double duty uh, as she's in another band called The Bleak Engineers, which is sort of a dark wave synth pop group. I would say kind of... Synth with a lot of sort of Joy Division before they became New Order, you know, before they really brought synths into things. Uh, so that's kind of what I thought about. It. I was like, well, if if she can kind of wear these, these two different hats and two kind of distinctly sh- different genres, and I love both of those genres, why not combine those into a podcast and why not tie it in with drinking? Just uh, to get things kicked off a little bit, I'll give you a little taste of the two bands I just mentioned. Here is Messer Chups with their song, Hollywood Devils. They're mostly an instrumental surf rock band, and that's most of what I'm going to be talking about, but they do have some vocals on it occasionally, and Svetlana herself, Zambarella, she does a lot of the vocals, and sh- you know, a lot of it's kind of just mostly spoken word. Uh, and this one is sort of where she gives a shout-out to lots of horror movie stars from years gone by and you know hence hollywood devils <laughs> She gave a shout-out to Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. She also talks about Christopher Lee, and that's really all it is, is her just naming a bunch of names who were Hollywood stars. A lot of the Hammer Horror movies uh, from, what was it, the 50s and 60s? 70s, maybe. Uh, And then, let's go into a completely different direction with her group, the Bleak Engineers. They're a duo, uh, and she... uh, does vocals and and bass with that band. As you can see, uh, very classic uh, dark wave synth pop, and I just absolutely fucking love it. Uh, but So that's sort of, I don't know, if, if, you've, if you felt like I needed a rationale for this, that is sort of one of the ways I am going to combine the two. Uh, there's obviously an overlap there, not in style, but in personnel. Alright, so, I mentioned a little bit of travel, Uh, for Christmas the wife and I we went to Romania first time we ever went no we don't have any family there we just you know we wanted to try a new place we hadn't been a few years back we went with her parents to Krakow for Christmas and I was like you know we should try somewhere else in Eastern Europe that we can go to and, and celebrate Christmas and we had a blast one of the key discoveries for me there musically was uh, a band called omelet they are a romanian synth pop group and this one is a song called nikita that came out in 2018 I was trying to think, uh, you know, what's the surf rock scene like in Romania? I haven't really found much to speak of, but one of the things that uh, kind of evoked one of the country's most famous fictional inhabitants, well, semi-fictional, Dracula, obviously uh, Bram Stoker sort of loosely based him on uh, Vlad the Impaler, uh, and he was inspired by a castle called Castle Bran in, in Transylvania. Of course, uh, historians have already proved that there was really no connection to Vlad the Impaler at that castle because Vlad the Impaler was supposedly Bram Stoker saw this castle when he was traveling through Romania, and he was like, oh yeah, that would be the type of place where Dracula would live. And even that story is kind of suspect. Well, anyway, Bran Castle, they still milk the shit out of that. Um, you know, it's probably the most touristy spot in the whole country. It's about a half an hour outside of a small city uh, called Brajov, which uh, we visited, which, which was a great little city. What it really made me think of was there's a surf band out of Buffalo, New York called The Hamiltones, and in, I want to say 2020, I believe this album came out, uh, they did uh, an album called Dracula Invitational 1791. This is, for me, has sort of become, just in the past couple of years that it's been out, I make sure this is required listening around Halloween time and, and beyond, but I always make sure it's on my playlists uh, for Halloween. And the best way to describe it is it is an instrumental surf rock concept album. You know, a lot of times you think concept album, it's like, well, don't you need lyrics? It's like, well, not necessarily. I mean, if you look at symphonic music, that always had kind of a a, sort of an unspoken narrative to it. And that's what's kind of going on here. And it's very, very evocative. And let's give it a quick listen. This song is actually called... Whole lot of sucking going on from the Hamilton's Dracula Invitational 1791. have it. A whole lot of stuff can go on from the Hamiltons uh, as we talk about Romania. And, you know, obviously this is more of a fictional attachment to Romania than an actual attachment to Romania. But, uh, hey, I was in Transylvania. You know, who's the first person you think of when you think Transylvania? So, uh, it's very, very appropriate for this discussion. Now, let's get to the saloon part of things. Uh, now that we've got our drinking music down, it's time to actually do a little bit of drinking. Um, so, One of the things that I I couldn't wait to try when I got to Romania was a spirit called Suica. And I assumed, going into it, that it was going to be, that's just what they called plum brandy, Suica. But I was actually wrong about that. Uh, There's a stronger plum brandy called Palinka, not to be necessarily confused with Hungarian Palinka. Also, Romanian spell Palinka with a C, Hungarian spell it with a K. There are a lot of similarities. Romanian palinka is distilled twice, where suica is distilled once. Suica tends to be slightly lower in ABV. Well, not slightly, but it's usually 32% ABV, which is on the low side for a spirit that's not a liqueur. Um, And palinka is usually 50% ABV. Uh, Again, distilled twice versus once. So it's a bit, I would say... A little less rough around the edges than suica. Um, and then there is a third classification of any other fruit eau de vie that's not made from plums. And they'll call that rockyu. You know, you might recognize that word a little bit. You know, some, especially around the Balkans and other parts of Eastern Europe, the term rocky or Rockia will recur within these cultures as, as they pertain to fruit brandies. Well, that's basically what Raku is. It's a fruit brandy that's just anything other than plum. Again, these are fruit distillates. They are not liqueurs. They are not flavored. Uh, they are distilled from these fruit. So that was one of my favorite parts of this was just going to restaurants every night And having a different Suica or Palinka. Of course, I kind of fucked it up in the beginning. I just went in with this assumption. Again, you know, I learn something new every time I go somewhere. So I guess, you know, you could you could yell at me for not doing really good research, but at the same time, you could say that okay, your travel is your research. So that's that's the story I'm sticking to right now. My assumption was that uh, uh, Suica, especially and 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 Palinka they were to be, you know, consumed as digestives. Um, You know, after a meal, kind of um, settle the stomach, help you digest. And that's what I was doing in the first couple of meals that I had. And then I don't remember where I was, but then I just quickly read that uh, it's traditionally consumed as an aperitif. So before dinner, which, you know, tends to be in a lot of other cultures, the domain of, uh, you know, Wine, a lot of times sparkling wine, you know, sparkling white wine would be a, a key aperitif. You know, if you go to Italy, you're going to drink your Aperol Spritz, you know, the, the Aperol orange liqueur, you know, combined with Prosecco, that kind of thing. Or, you know, you have a beer as an aperitif. And nobody, nobody, none of the waiters or anything called me on it. You know, the fact that I was ordering it after dinner, they they were just more impressed that I was actually ordering it. But when I learned that I was supposed to drink it before a meal, that's what I did. And it, it kind of does set them apart from a lot of other places because you, know, you go to Austria or Germany, you know, you, that's what I've always ordered after a meal, and I see a lot of other people ordering it after a meal too. And that's just basically the way it's consumed. And you can say the same thing about a lot of French brandies too, Calvados, and of course um, Cognac and Armagnac. And those are aged, so you can make an argument that, well, they, they've got a little bit of sweetness to them. Um, there's a lot of caramel going on so that might make them more conducive to having after a meal but but still it's they kind of do buck that tradition so I that, that was interesting so I guess it does sort of stimulate the appetite in the same way a wine would before you had dinner it's just it's pretty strong you only are gonna have one or two before you eat and then you know afterwards you might want to sort of transition to something like a liqueur. Now they have a lot of you know, what you think of when you think of a, a liqueur, which is, of course, they're distilled a lot of times. Most of the time, they're distilled from these fruits, but also they're infused with actual fruit. So it's a sweeter thing to drink after a meal, and it's more of a traditional liqueur than a more hardcore Eau de Vies style brandy. So that was quite the experience and and one of the things that i was really enjoying eating there was their traditional cabbage rolls. Generally it's in you know, its cabbage rolls stuffed with little chunks of pork. Uh, oh my god, there was nothing like it. And also that you know they're very very big on pig there. One night we had a, a just like this roasted pork knuckle that was for two and it was oh god. And i you know i had a lot of pork knuckle in germany but this this was an experience in itself, and and at least you know the funny thing was in a lot of places in Germany, I would order that, and they they would sell that as a dish for one person. And now I ordered it, and they said this is for two, and it's pretty much the same size dish, but it is a lot more sensible for two people than one because I never finish it. And of course, they don't really do doggy bags in most places in Europe, so at least I always had to waste a lot of food, and it always kind of bummed me out. But the the cabbage rolls, the pork knuckle um you know they're really big on pork ribs too they're they're more roasted they're not not barbecued per se and those were really really good and like the soups these sour soups you know some of them had these um romanian meatballs and apparently the one big thing that distinguishes romanian meatballs from a lot of other meatballs you know, aside from the fact that you're not like putting tomato sauce on it like we'd be doing in in italy the key ingredient is dill and tell you the truth it really really works and they have them you can order them on their own and then they have like a uh, a soup with smaller meatballs in them and there's usually this kind of nice sort of tart spiciness to the soups not spiciness but you know, like a sourness to the soups i will stop babbling for now this was my sort of introduction to this podcast the next episodes i'll be having guests there will be guests from the synth pop world from the surf rock world and then synth Okay, when I say synth-pop, it's more than, than pop. I think of it as anything from Gary Newman to Skinny Puppy. So you're going to be getting a lot of industrial kind of stuff, as well as some of the more what you think of traditionally as synth-pop. Of course, Depeche Mode is going to be coming up a lot, and they probably won't be a guest on this show. <laughs> I would love that. But um, but we'll be talking to a lot of uh, you know other bands, other music aficionados, bartenders, distillers everything and we're all just gonna be having a wonderful time hanging out in the synth and surf saloon. So once again I'm Jeff Cialetti and I hope you can join me next time.